Dr. Rena here. I'm a dental specialist and founder of RW Perio, located at 75 Harley Street. Welcome to my podcast, Life and Smile, where we talk about everything dental, lifestyle, business, and much more. Every episode, I'm joining conversation with a specialist expert in their chosen field, who give us a behind-the-scenes glimpse into their daily regime, career turning points, and an insider look at what they can't live without. As a businesswoman myself, it's so inspiring to hear how people have built their careers and shattered those glass ceilings. So, let's get the conversation going. Dr. Rena here, and welcome back to Life and Smile Season 4. Today I'm joined in the Harley Street Recording Studio with a name that effortlessly merges the media industry with that of the medical and aesthetic world. She's an industry insider, of course, who is highly regarded for providing trusted advice on tweakments, practitioners, and getting the best results via the tweakments guide. Alice, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today and where we can take this conversation with all our knowledge combined. I'm I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm a bit overwhelmed by that introduction. (laughs) So um, you are a household name as a journalist featuring in The Times, Telegraph, Daily Mail, Hello Magazine, I could go on. Um, And, you know, but you've done so much in your career so fast. But let's go back to the beginning. Um, Where did it all start? um, And how did you get to where you are today? I um, have been lucky. I've stumbled (laughs) along the way, paused every now and again. I've been doing this a very long time. I went from university straight to Vogue magazine, which was very exciting. I, I'd had an intern position, as you'd call it now, within the year before in the summer holidays. I'd done two weeks there, literally making the coffee or fetching the coffee <laughs> and doing photocopying. And they said, do come back. And that turned into a proper job, at least sub-editing, which is sort of putting the commas in the right place, getting the grammar right. So not the glamorous side of magazine work, but a really good training and from there I went to the Telegraph about 18 months later and I had a column on the Telegraph writing about shopping stuff which was fun. I moved around the Telegraph for about 10 years. Um, A pivotal moment, I heard you mentioning pivotal moments, was I lost my job at the Telegraph after 10 years. I was on maternity leave and um, that is the kind of thing people say shouldn't happen but it did and and I think that was really crucial because I became freelance, had freelanceness thrust upon me. But it was brilliant because otherwise I'm a pretty cautious creature and I could have sat there not really doing what I wanted perhaps for quite a long time. And as a freelance, it's turned out I've had so many opportunities. Um, I got into writing about health and beauty. That led to writing about aesthetics because I was writing for the Evening Standard and the editor there said, you know, there are all these doctors doing stuff, you know, lasers, beauty injections. This was the late 90s. Um, Get out there, you know, find out what's going on. So I did and I was fascinated. So I've been writing about non-surgical cosmetic procedures or or tweakments, um, as I like (laughs) to call them for a while you know ever since then and it's such a compelling industry to be in um that that's sort of how it's all joined up together yeah no amazing it must have been quite um scary as such like being forced to kind of freelance how did you feel at that point and sort of how do you then navigate uh, a completely you know different landscape as such Oh, um, I thought I'll I'll be cool about this. Uh, my baby was only uh, three weeks old. She was my 
second and uh, I had an answer phone and I had um, a desktop um, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll let people know I'm here and I'll wait for messages to come in. Um, but it just took off right from the beginning. Um, so it was much easier to navigate than I'd than I'd anticipated. I, I had thought I'll sit here and while on maternity leave and playing with my, my, my lovely children, I will stick all those photographs in albums that have yes. been building up that I haven't <laughs> got round to in the last 10 years. And now I still haven't got round to it somehow. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's so many pictures, but maybe a retirement project. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and you've been involved in so many different topics and you've mentioned you've really gone into detail in the kind of non-surgical health aesthetic mm. side of things. Are there any real pieces that have stood out for you or certain things, that, topics that you'd, you've really loved being involved in as such? That's such a good question. As a journalist, I'm normally sort of following along behind what's going on. And what's really interesting at the moment, um, besides all the increasing number of energy-based devices and new techniques with injectables, is the regenerative medicine side of that. I don't know if you're seeing that in, in dentistry as well. Absolutely. Um, with our, we do exactly the same thing in terms of trying to regenerate what's been lost. And it's before okay. we were quite kind of aggressive and what we call resective with approaches. Mm. But now you're right, everything is about regenerating. So we do very minimally invasive surgeries where yeah. we regenerate the bone that's been lost in gum disease and, th and things like amazing. that. So, and it works really well. So That's amazing. Because usually you think with teeth, uh, you, you've got to preserve them because it's uh, otherwise you will lose it and you only yes. have that one set set yes. with a lot of the aesthetic procedures you can kind of cover up for the bone loss with using fillers to re-sculpt the face or yes. you can reintroduce volume but there's a lot of people who are now looking at the whole area of what they can do to manage how they look at their as they age but without using the existing methods so they'll be looking at using uh, things like autologous fat transfer, using their own fat yes, to yes. Um, prop up the contours in their face or what you can do like PRP or PRF, that's platelet-rich yep. plasma, derived from your own blood, how that can be used to regenerate your skin, what can be done with stem cells, your own stem cells, or all the exosomes that are that are creeping in from around the world. And exosomes are, for people who wonder what on earth I'm talking about, they're like tiny messenger molecules. They're intercellular messengers. And they really get going when there's wound healing needing to be done, when you want to rev up the sort of production of collagen and elastin in the skin. So these are offering huge potential for, for stuff. So it's, so it's all out there. It's all going on. I have the opportunity to travel around the world and go to the industry conferences to talk to experts in the field. So, I mean, that's what's so fab about this, this job now, um, having a business in this area and having the network that I've built up over the years as a journalist because I, I can reach all these extraordinary people and learn from them about what's going on. They often they they will always tell you about why their work is good and why mm. everybody else's work yeah. is rubbish and possibly yeah. dangerous. So uh, you have to keep <laughs> asking everybody the whole way around the circle to gradually build up a picture of how things actually are. 
I know, how interesting. I mean, I don't know about from, from your side of the industry, but dentistry as well, we're, we're being more and more conservative. But as you said, almost trying to use your own body's mm. kind of cells. And we, we when we do gum grafting, we take it from the, the patient's roof of their mouth using wow. products that, because it's the most predictable, it's the gold standard. Do you feel like um, with, with just generally um, what you're finding in terms of trends, is it going more conservative? Is it going more kind of invasive? What's your kind of... Uh, approach that oh, my, my that. mind is completely sort of freaked out the idea of your own gum graft this is insane <laughs> I know nothing about the, the, the it, dentistry regenerative really, um, yeah. but yet yeah, trends oh I hate talking about trends in aesthetics because oh, there's a lot of people saying to me now oh there's a big trend back towards a natural look and he, I cannot think of one practitioner over the past 25 <laughs> years who said I set out to create an unnatural look yes. I mean I, I know we see a lot of work where people are not looking natural uh, and that's what people want to avoid because everybody who's curious about this area is dead scared of looking weird, uh, dead scared of something going wrong. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of trends, regenerative stuff is a trend. Um, things like skin conditioning with these injectables like either hyaluronic acid-based skin conditioners or polynucleotides, which are fragments of fish DNA, which um, oddly enough have a very good effect on reviving the skin so there's things like that um, a lot of the products cross over because we use a lot of hyaluronic acid with our treatments as well oh, now yeah. um the evidence base is, is not as good just yet but more and more people are using it for gums and gum treatment and how things do you, like that so, how do you use it for gum um, treatment so well any, anything in the mouth actually so ulcers often we have gels which contain hyaluronic acid yes. um there's more products being released to help it promote regeneration with with that in it as well so um sometimes we sort of see the mouth as a as a, you know isolated from the rest of the body but actually a lot of the things that you use across the body apply in the mouth as well so sure and do you yeah. use prp for because that a can lot be quite dentists good do, for yes exactly yeah. um so yeah there's so, so much crossover which is okay. interesting amazing you asked about a, a, a piece um a, a pivotal piece uh, there was one actually i did earlier this year which was about so this is completely jumping subjects is, sure. is, is, yes. is that okay um a lot of people within the aesthetics industry have been talking about how dermal fillers, which mostly are made from hyaluronic acid and dissolve over six months or a year, can actually hang around in the body for a lot longer. And this has been shown by radiologists, aesthetic radiologists who are doing MRIs. Um, I've been following the work of, of some of these guys in Australia and know that this is thing even though it's not been much talked about so it was a couple of years ago now but I was about to go and have some fillers done but I hadn't had any fillers for four years so I thought right this is probably as filler free as my face is ever going to be because I've been having fillers on and off for about 20 years and I thought I'll go and get an MRI and just to see if there's anything in there and I thought technically there shouldn't be anything there but you never know but I was absolutely astonished when I went through the images from the MRI with the radiologist who pointed out there were about 30 millilitres of um, filler showing up. It shows up as white in the um, in, in those images. And he said he thought that was a conservative estimate. I mean, it was all exactly where it had been placed in the past in good quality fillers done by expert injectors. But the fact was <laughs> that it was there. And I wrote it up on... Um, 
on, on my blog, um, the, my, my online magazine at thetweakmentsguide.com. And then I rang uh, my editor at the Daily Mail and said, look, if you've got a sec to try and get your head around this, and bless her, she listened, because this is a bit way out saying there's fillers and they hang around and I've got these images. And she listened and she said, this is, this is groundbreaking. And I, and I said, it, it, it's quite unusual. And, and she let me write it. Unfortunately, they then put a headline on it saying, I've got 20 years of filler stuck in my face, which, which is not what I said. But that article caused um, a, a, an absolute storm and it went off around the world. Um, I had a lot of dermatologists in Brazil picked it up and I can't uh, read Portuguese, but I could mm -hmm. see that they were all sharing it on social media saying, is this true or is she lying? And you think, I'm yeah, not lying. Yeah. These are my pictures. But it's just to let people know that, you know, there's nothing wrong with the fillers. People would say, aren't you going to have it dissolved? And he, no, because what would my face look like without it? I'd look, look skeletal. I've got a sort of face that goes quite narrow with, with age and loses volume anyway. Um, but it was very interesting, the comments that came in when I put that out on Instagram, because all the medical professionals said, this isn't news. We've known this for years. This is absolutely true. But all the normal people who are not in the industry were absolutely appalled, saying, oh, my goodness, this is so shocking. And you think, well, it's unusual, but it's just to show you this can happen. may not happen to you. For most people, fillers will dissolve, but... Uh, it seems these things can hang around. How interesting. In, in terms of sort of, we were speaking earlier in terms of your career so far, and you used the phrase, I kind of stumbled across, you stumbled into what you're doing right now. Mm. But for anyone who's kind of starting off, um, what advice would you give them? Sort of, is there a route you can follow? Or would you say, just take the next step? Or I think it's much um, harder getting into something like journalism, given that so much of it is done by freelancers. Um, the teams on the inside are tiny, but you need to be creating your own content, showing that to people, being persistent about trying to get it under their noses, showing that you know your subject, um, showing that you can write. If you've got a body of work that you can show, whether it's on blogs or micro blogs or whatever, or articles you had printed anywhere... Um, and to be optimistic and be persistent um, and not be cautious and scared and sit about waiting for things to come to you, which, which I did for many years. So I had jobs I, I, I should have moved on from, but I just didn't have the nerve. I couldn't imagine um, doing anything else. And you, you also just have to stay flexible, stay open to whatever might come up because it could be amazing. I think people are much more prepared now to... Um, imagine they might have a, a career, multi-hyphenate career that moves through various phases. Back in the 80s, we thought we would get a job yeah. and we would be in that job for life. And it, it's been such a huge shift over the recent decades that I don't think anybody thinks like that now. No, I, I agree. And it's completely different. And I think it's, no, I love the way you've, you've described it. And people have these kind of portfolio careers where they're doing mm. multiple different things and, um, uh, which is so interesting because that wouldn't even be thought about many, many years ago. So Yeah, less easy if you're pursuing something extremely detailed like dentistry. But with, with something like writing, I mean, you can turn your hand to all sorts of things. Um, and for me, the online um, or the, the being on screen online stuff has been a, a hideous uh, adaptation, what should I say, <laughs> the last five years. Because uh, 
I only really um, became known as an aesthetic specialist, um, aesthetic journalist specialist in the last six or seven years, probably, because there wasn't that much appetite in the mainstream media for these pieces. I mean, I I've, have been known for a long time for writing about all these things I've tried out over, over time and for um, being prepared to share the detail of what goes on for, for, for good or bad. But there's only so many of those pieces that people want in, in the papers. But I thought it was about 2017, I suddenly became seized with, the, <laughs> with, with an urgency to actually write a book about um, non-surgical procedures. People were asking me about them the whole time, and I, I wasn't sure if it was too soon. But I wrote the book, I launched the website, and now that has grown into a whole business um, based around... Um, putting out, you know, the, the, the Tweakments Guide, it's like an encyclopedia of everything Tweakments. You know, it's online, it's free, you know, it's what the procedures are, what they involve, what the concerns are that might be relevant to the, to the Tweakments, who are the good practitioners, how to find them, questions you should be asking, things you should be aware of. Because this area is so under-regulated, pretty well unregulated still in the UK, um, people really need to know they must do their research and have that knowledge because uh, it's all too easy to go to somebody who, who seems like they have a flashy website and in fact they have very little training and very little experience and things can and do go wrong. But um, yeah, it, it, it's all out there. People just need to um, to really protect themselves by learning about it. I think a lot of people have begun to feel because these things are quite widely available that they're like beauty beauty treatments and they are not they are medical procedures they're cosmetic in their effects but they're cosmetic medical procedures and i think people need to take them a bit more seriously for sure and i guess the the point you made about sort of the technology side is interesting because i think that's fueled i guess would you agree to having that digital content that instant access available and so many different sources um it can just feel and and amplify people's message it can get so confusing for for the consumer um it can it can so they need to find a few people they can trust and, and follow them I, th I think sorry i'm not very good at keeping a straight line through this am i what i was <laughs> trying to say was that i've always been able to sit behind a keyboard and think and write and now having to be up in front of a camera most days, even if it's just chatting to the iPhone about what I'm seeing and what I'm doing, that has been a very big learning curve. But um, hey, you know, we, we can all learn new things. And I still do get to write to excruciatingly tight deadlines for the papers, which is fun, because they will ring up and say, hey, Jennifer Anderson just shared this pictures of this <laughs> mad thing. Do you know this? What is it? Can we have 800 words in the next 90 minutes? And you think, okay. <laughs> It must be nice to have that, that variety, I'm sure. And you're traveling the world, you're meeting all these aesthetic pr practitioners. Um, it must be quite inspiring to have conversations with them. Um, but what, what inspires you on a day-to-day -day basis? What keeps you interested in the topics and um, keeps you inspired every day? That is a good question. It's just having the opportunity to work and create content in an area that I still find completely fascinating fast developing area there's always something new to say it's no good sitting there thinking oh what to come up with today there is there, there is so much stuff and having the freedom to do that and having an audience that's keen and responsive um to the kind of stuff i put out that's hugely inspiring because the thing with newspapers you know it all goes out into the blue it 
used to always be tomorrow's fish and chip paper. You know, there was no comeback on it. Um, there are comment sections in the paper, obviously online, but it's better not to look at those. But on social media, you get a very instant um, feedback and very useful. And having that community there and knowing what they want to put out, that's that absolutely keeps me going too. Amazing. And do you have like a day-to-day routine or is it, do you, does it must vary with the amounts of things you're involved in? It, it's hugely varied. I mean, during the week work-wise, there is, uh, there is filming, there is a lot of writing, there are a lot of meetings, um, internal meetings with the team about content, about SEO, about uh, paid social, about marketing. There's external meetings with people we're working with and um, in among that, um, it, it's a question of just doing whatever's most uh, urgent right away. But as a day-to-day routine, I try and exercise in some way. I try and How do you meditate. fit all of that in? Do you, do you have a it's set time in the gotta day? It's got to come first. First thing, get yeah, it done, it's got to come first. Never want to do it, but it's always better. I've never regretted a yoga class, I realise, for you when I'm sitting there in bed. Do I have to get up? I meditate and I try and take cold showers because I hate them, but they make me feel better afterwards. So things like wow. that... Uh, the older I get, the less alcohol suits me, which is very sad because it used to be a lot of fun drinking. So, and trying to get to bed early, boring things like that really help. How life changes. Mm. <laughs> what about off duty? I mean, um, you mentioned kind of how you relax, but any you know favorite spots in town? Um, those benches down by the Serpentine in Hyde Park. Yes. I have a little favorite. dog. Um, I love watching the swans taking off they run across the water <laughs> slap 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 with their great gray webbed feet and they can barely be bothered to lumber into the air and one day I will catch it on camera <laughs> also, also the geese landing the geese are all on the grass in Hyde Park and at some point in the morning they whoosh down en masse and they scorch to a halt in the lake and they put their feet out in front of them and break coming in and it's just wonderful to watch we're literally currently living just by high park so we go oh, there yeah, almost okay. every day it's, it's so much fun um yeah. well, both you know in the I morning mean. and then yeah. a sunset as well is, is yes. gorgeous so yes. it's little things like that that make such a big difference to your to your week and day for sure so totally taking time out even if it's i mean even if i just go for a 10 minute walk makes such a big difference so yes um we always ask our um guests this question which is always really interesting mm. so three things that we can always find at your desk or in your handbag as part of your sort of mini survival <laughs> kit we've well, got okay. your bag there reach, so reach let's, my um, bag. let's have a look let's see what i got in here it's probably okay. more than more than three things let's, okay <laughs> we've got cycling classes <laughs> selfie stick um but but okay okay um eye drops um right. we've got some lubricating eye drops that's pretty boring We've got um, a (laughs) a lovely um, tinted lip balm. This is an Alberson Flora one, which is fab. You can see I've actually got right down to the bottom, (laughs) but I haven't given up on that one yet. (laughs) And what else could we have? Hair ties. Yes. Dog bag wrapped up in hair ties. You (laughs) never know when you're going to need one. And and this this is um, a body cream decanted. It's a brand called Connick London, which it smells... Fantastic. I'll pass that over for you in a sec. Thank you. Um, so that is a little pick-me-up um, if I find I need that during the day. Very nice. If you had to pick three, your top three, what would they be? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, 
Or you can't live without any of them, I guess. They're the, all the, these, are, these are like the, the, the eye drops, the lip balm, and yeah. the, the, those are things. Sorry, these are the ones, the, the <laughs> others that were more practical kit that came out of my bag first. Though this, this selfie stick, it does go everywhere. And I've lost the, um, the little diddly bit that, that, that is the thing, the automatic yes, starter. Yes. But people, people know, particularly up and down here, they say, um, We've got a bit of kit left in here. It was either you or the other one. I haven't seen the other one for I don't know how long, so I think it's you. Come and pick it up. Oh, love it. Well, thank you so much, um, Alice, for such an interesting conversation. Um, it's so um, inspiring to speak to you, and um, it'd be great to see and um, speak to you again and see how the landscape's changed maybe in a few years because it's Anytime. all changing so, so quickly. So thank you so much. I'm sure we'll see you back on Harley Street um, very, very soon. Um, and, yeah, thanks for, have, for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me.